the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Another Karen canceled. Have you heard about this Karen thing? It's a term. It's All a very right, nice right. name. At least it used to be. But the woke left uses uses it as a pejorative label for any white woman who dares to be assertive, who dares to defend herself, who dares not be intimidated. It's a very bad thing and a very bad trend. And if you're a Karen, <laughs> as they see it, you could be canceled. You could lose everything over this. So something happened in New York City. Very, very trivial, but the ramifications are actually very, very big. So I want to introduce you to the man who uh, accused one person of being a Karen. This is uh, Frederick Joseph. He is a writer. He's also very, very easily offended by anything. Anything seems to be racist in his book. Uh, the wind blowing is racist. We'll get more uh, into his portfolio in just a little bit. Here's his uh, big claim to fame, though, this book, The Black Friend on Being a Better White Person by Frederick Joseph. Now, already, this is a problem in my book. I mean, could you imagine if I wrote a book, The White Friend, instructing how people could be better black people? That obviously would be ludicrous, and I find this book to be ludicrous. I also find his T-shirts to be deeply offensive. He just sits around and take a look. Slap your local racist. Sounds, I guess, in a way, okay, but um, who determines who's racist? And who is he to slap anybody? This is a problem, okay? The woke left loves this stuff. So the target this weekend uh, is a woman named Emma Sarley. Now, Emma was at the dog walk. I told you this was kind of trivial. Walking her dog and got into an argument with um, Mr. Joseph about whose dog was barking. Now, according to Mr. Joseph, things got racial really fast. Here's the video that went viral that helped end her promising career, at least so far. Take a look. In our hood? No, 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 no. I invite everyone. Stay in our hood? Stay in our hood. That's what, I'm sorry, what? Stay in our hood? Stay in our hood. Leave the dog park to stay in our hood? You just told us to leave the dog park and stay in our hood. Oh my God, did you just say that to me? 
Wow. Oh, that's funny. Wow. wow. The Karen is in the white. There's, I'm sorry. You were right here. Watch this entire thing. Did she just not stand here and tell us to stay in our hood? She did. She just told you just told us to stay. And it ends like that. Just a few seconds long. She said nothing racist. I had a hard time understanding her. The only people who were saying anything about hood was the man with the camera. I heard somebody else call her a Karen, but I heard nothing racist. OK, and there is nothing racist right there. So. What happens next? Uh, Mr. Joseph breaks out his phone and he says, this white woman was threatening to call police and told us to stay in our hood. None of those things happened on the tape, by the way. I started recording and she tried to slap the phone out of my hand. By the way, you put a camera in my face and you're not a friend and I might do that. And I also might think about the middle finger. It's not a nice thing to do. She gives it to him. Uh, it happens a lot in New York, <laughs> especially if you're driving. It's what we call no big deal. But he's not done by just complaining about a bad day he had at the dog park. He goes online trying to figure out who it is, who it is. Has anybody seen anybody like this? And then the tips start coming in. The tips start coming in. They find out where she works. And then it's game on. And who is she, by the way? She is, uh, well, Emma Sarley. And she does have a lot going on. She has a job. She has a boyfriend. She has a dog. She has uh, stuff in her life. And that makes her a target. That makes her a target. She has things and the mob wants to take those things away from her. So they track down her boss or her boss's boss's boss. She works at a company called Bevy. And uh, this is the boss. He is uh, a guy named Derek Anderson. And I watched this unfold all weekend long. He says on Twitter <laughs> that he's horrified by what happened. Let's see. Spoke with Fred Joseph about his and his fiance's horrific experience from last night, excuse me. So sorry to them for what has happened. No one should treat people the way we witness. This is extremely troubling. I will update you shortly. All right, next, he decides uh, our company has zero tolerance for discriminatory behavior of any kind. Yesterday, an employee engaged in behavior contrary to our values and has been terminated we apologize deeply to all involved. I personally hope some type of resolution can happen between the two parties beyond this, and I will help if I can. Well, that is a total cop-out. This guy, it took him about 15 minutes to come to this decision. It seems like he's afraid of the woke mob, right? I mean, what we saw in that videotape did not amount to racism. Who is the witness? He investigates. You know who the witness is? Some guy drinking a beer that he's never heard of, that you've never heard of, that I'd never heard of. What does he say? I'm sorry, you were right here, watch this entire thing. Did she just not stand here and tell us to stay in our hood? She did. <laughs> just some guy standing there says, yeah, she did. I don't know that guy. I know the boss of this company doesn't know that guy, but that's enough for him. That's good enough for him. Look, we have to allow, maybe she was on probation, maybe she was kind of crazy, who knows? But this is no reason to terminate somebody. But this is right up his alley because he's one of those virtue signaling guys. Uh, listen to this. On May 25th, uh, when George Floyd was killed, um, you know, my co-founder, <clears throat> I, I was traveling. It's my, the day after my birthday. And I was traveling. We just said to ourselves, like, let's do something. Like, what would be something big? Like, what does meaningful change look like? And to us... You know, we 13 to 14 percent of the U.S. population is black. And we just said, well, 
what if we got to 20% of the company? We just started working on it. I, I hit LinkedIn and hit Valence and other communities to go find great people uh, and started just recruiting. Great people of color instead of just great people. He wants to make 20%. Is that admirable? I actually think it's very sad in a way. It's very easy to go around counting faces, who's white, who's black, but to actually develop talent, that takes work. That takes hard work and most people don't wanna do that. So uh, that brings us back to the accuser, the original accuser who likes to slap his local racist. He knows who's racist. He sees racism everywhere. He's on a United Airlines flight. This actually made news a couple of years ago. The woman next to him puts the feet up on the chair. The audacity of white privilege, he says. This woman next to me took her shoes off and placed both feet on the table. So I'm waiting for the flight staff to say something. Again, he calls it the audacity of white privilege. And he says uh, they were so nice to that woman and that never would have happened to a black person. Look, he got an Airbnb upstate. It looked perfectly fine, but there were some trinkets around the Airbnb that he found somewhat offensive. There was a nude photograph of somebody. Uh, there was some ornaments that he kind of got creeped out by. All right, so he leaves. That's his right. But he says, even though he never met the owners, that the whole thing is racist. Take a look. Again, this guy made news with this. We left because we are black. Black people have been through certain traumas, both historically and currently, that might generate less apprehension for white people, uh, he can never lose. He can never not be a victim because he's black, according to uh, him. And this book that he wrote, I told you it's problematic. It would be certainly a problem if I wrote a book like this from my perspective. And it's a problem when he writes it. Um, I have to go back to the video for a moment. Not in my hood or go back to our hood or whatever that was that he said, this is a, this is a big thing with him. Stay in our hood. Stay in our hood. Leave the dog park to stay in our hood. You just told us to leave the dog park and stay in our hood. So did she really say that? I don't know. It's not on the tape. Some guy with a beer says she did. But I do know this. Mr. Joseph is programmed to be very, very sensitive uh, to the word hood. It's in his book like 50 times. He writes about how condescending it is when white people say hood. Many, many, many references to this. And I'm actually offended by the next statement. Let's go ahead and put that up. This is in his book. Uh, this white boy had never spoken to me or even met me. He simply assumed I was poor and lived in the hood because I was black. Uh, I think he's carrying around a lot of baggage. And by the way, I can tell you, white people say hood too. It's not, it's not pejorative. It's said. It's told. It's, uh, you can react the worst possible way if you want to, and that's how he does. And even when, I guess, he had problems getting his next book published, or getting his next book published, that's racist too. New York Times gave a positive uh, review of his book, but listen to this. Uh, the reception of the black friend has been warm but disheartening. Every single white editor said they couldn't figure out how to sell it and it would probably be better someplace else. But the writing is electric. The writing is electric. Just ask them. All writers feel that way about the stuff they've written. People get turned down by editors all the time. It's part of the process. It's a part of uh, being a writer, I thought. Look, Mr. Joseph here is committed to having a ludicrous, silly, phony conversation about race to avoid having a serious, substantive one. One where we talk about what's actually really happening here. 
you know who used to have that conversation? He wasn't afraid. It's one of the reasons why Americans fell in love with the guy at first. Barack Obama, back in 2008. Too many fathers are MIA. Too many fathers are AWOL. You and I know this is true everywhere, but nowhere is it more true than in the African-American community. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. He was speaking a lot of truth there, but he was burned by the far left. They didn't like that. They didn't like that at all. Shut up. And he got the message. He barely went there for the next eight years. And he doesn't go there today because the far left hates to hear that. Well, I want to hear more of that. May not be politically correct, but it could be helpful. If you're not politically correct, as this woman in New York found out, the cost can be very severe. Donald Trump warned us about that. And there's hope in all of this. His speech, a portion of it from last July 4th, when he was still president in 2020. There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. It's not going to happen to us. We can't let it to happen to us. We can't let it happen to us. Those things could actually happen. People are going to point the finger at you. They'll call you a racist just because you want to talk about the truth. Uh, I think we got to keep speaking out. Can't be afraid. The moment someone mentions race, 75% of white people are going to run away. <laughs> the left wants to own this conversation and they want to shape it. They want to have it on their terms. And those terms are dishonest. I take inspiration from that moment. I miss the guy. I miss the guy. Sounds like he's coming back, though. In the meantime, we got to deal with Joe Biden. And the mainstream media won't do it. They haven't done it, but we will. Vet the guy. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. There are little gems from Joe Biden's career that should have been highlighted all last year and the year before, probably all the way back to when he was in the United States Senate. It certainly should have kept him from becoming vice president. I'm talking about the ridiculous stuff this guy said over the years that the mainstream media just said, nah, that's Joe being Joe. Well, here he is, a newly elected U.S. senator uh, being an idiot. As the youngest member of the Senate, the one, therefore, who may expect the longest career there, I wonder if you'd say to us, since it's clear that you're not corrupt and you got elected, why should people think that the system produces corrupt results when there you are? Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I thank you for that, though. Talk about cockiness. Talk about arrogance and hubris. Well, Joe, I don't assume you're not corrupt. I don't. I think that was a little bit of a... A signal, a Freudian slipper, something's going on there. What else happened all the way back in 1974? The fortunate thing is I didn't have many larger contributors. And the only reason, see, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man, in the manner in which I talk about it. Wow. And you were willing, Joe, 
You are so willing. What's another word for prostitute? One piece of work, huh? Stay with us. Joe and all of federal government are after those guys on the horses, the Border Patrol men who did nothing wrong. But boy, oh boy, are they ganging up on them. We'll be right back. Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I can, I can say, say is, is that, that the fake, fake news, news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do they? they and the fake news, not one of them, it seems, has been giving these guys a break. And they deserve it, big time. They did nothing wrong. I've seen it. We've all studied it by now. You can look at the stills. They're not whipping anybody. They're not hurting anybody. They're being very, very humane. Let's take a quick look, shall we? You can kill the music now. Number one, nothing wrong with that. He's gently touching the guy's shoulder. They say this is like slavery. No, it's not. People were trying to get into our country, and these guys are protecting the border. There's no whip, no metal, no nothing contacting these folks. And unlike slavery, where people were forcibly being brought here, these folks are coming, and we don't want them here. At least not now, not like this. So, uh, but that's not good enough. Not even good enough for Joe Biden. Not good enough for this Mayorkas guy who is the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. And look at what he actually spends his time worrying about. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. Our battle with systemic racism. America, the suddenly systemic racist country. And this guy, the Department of Homeland Security secretary, is consumed with images and systemic racism. I guess he needs a reminder that his department was created in the aftermath of September 11th, 2001. 20 years ago, we just had a reminder. Has he forgotten? This is what his department is all about, preventing this from happening. And with everybody consumed with... All of these niceties, all of this silliness, the Pentagon talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, more than they're talking about China, we could be in big trouble. Now, this uh, Mayorkas guy is a real political animal, by the way. Uh, he plays it both ways when it comes to uh, border issues. Here he is being nice about horses and the Border Patrol. The Horse Patrol serves an incredibly important function. Horses can tra uh, traverse terrain that might not otherwise be covered. In fact, horses are often used to not only assess a situation, but to actually help people in distress. CBP personnel have saved many lives on horseback. That's a little bit more like it, but in the same breath, he's slamming them. Now, I'll look at the video. He's running an investigation. President Biden has already prejudged the outcome of this investigation. They're not doing anything wrong. And according to everybody we talked to at the Border Patrol, this is what they're trained to do. And yes, like he actually admitted there, they do great work. 
Sad stuff. He is an oddball, though. One more thing on this guy, this DHS guy. With everything that's going wrong, with everything that's going poorly, under his leadership, he's strangely one of those guys who smiles at the wrong time. It is this pol the policy of this administration. Uh, we do not agree with the building of the wall. The law provides that individuals can make a claim for humanitarian relief. That is actually one of our proudest traditions. I don't know. Am I giving him too hard of a time? I just every after every answer, he has this goofy smile on no matter what the question he smiles. All right. Next up in the fake news, <clears throat> excuse me, meet the press. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was the other guy, George Stephanopoulos. They had a, a wannabe deep throat on the show yesterday. Him, his name is Brian Murphy, a whistleblower. And whistleblowers are always to be believed, right? No, they're not. They usually have an agenda. They're usually, uh, well, oddballs. And this is pretty odd. In 2018, I issued my first whistleblower complaint. Um, it was only six months after I arrived. I think that's often missed. Um, from the outset, there were three things that I was told that we would uh, look to manipulate intelligence on and bend the truth about. And I told them up front that I wasn't going to do it. What are the three things? So the three things were Russian disinformation as it related to the president. The second was the southwest border. And the third was uh, white supremacy. He was working at the Department of Homeland Security at the time as their director of intelligence. Those three things. Now, the Trump administration was rightfully downplaying the threat from white supremacy because white supremacy is not a thing. It's not a thing. It just shows you how political this guy. What else? The southwest border. Something tells me that the Trump administration was very much focused on the southwest border, and he was somehow uncomfortable with that. And Russia disinformation. The Trump administration understandably wanted to stop talking about Russia. He, in the bowels of the DHS, wanted to talk about it. Here's something you should know, actually, that almost no one knows, even though it's in the Mueller report, the famous Mueller report. How much money did Russia spend to influence our elections in 2020? The Mueller report actually has a figure. $100,000. Yes, according to Facebook, the IRA, the Internet Research uh, Group, that's a Russian front, purchased over 3,500 advertisements, and the expenditures totaled approximately $100,000. There's a restaurant across the street that spends more on that in a month on promoting the restaurant, all right? A little nugget that the fake news never, ever talks about. All right. Here's something you know by now. Joe Biden is a very proud passenger on Amtrak. He's always telling a lot of exaggerated stories about how much he bonded with the conductors and how much he wrote it. Um, Joe loves Amtrak. And you get to know everybody. You get to know the folks. And I used to have a, a Christmas party for Amtrak employees at my home. And that got so big, we ended up having it a summer party. And Amtrak wasn't just a way of getting home. It provided me, and I'm not joking, an entire other family. I never personally got that close to my train conductors, but good for Joe, I guess. Um, but all this happy talk about Amtrak obscures that Amtrak has big problems. We had a fatal derailment this past weekend in Montana. Three people were killed, lots of injuries. Um, Amtrak is in trouble, and in a weird way, it makes sense that Joe Biden is so infatuated with it. Now take a look at some of the accidents in recent years. 
uh, numerous, fairly frequent, and uh, people die. In January of 2018, you see that. And let's see, February of 2018, another crash, a fatal crash. <laughs> 2015, I remember that one in Philadelphia, eight dead, 185 injured. More recently, DuPont. Gosh, look at that. These are bad, bad numbers. And who's on the board or who was on the board? You got a great big railroad. Who do you put in charge of that railroad? What were your qualifications to be on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. <sighs> It makes sense now, a little bit. Amtrak putting this guy, whose father rides the train a lot, that's his qualification. Oh, and his father's important. And he's looking to make money. I think that's a recipe for disaster, quite literally. It doesn't have to be like this. Hey, France, they've got very fast trains, much faster than ours. Since they established their National Road Railroad all the way back in 1981, they've had one mishap that resulted in fatalities, one. We have them a lot more than that. Hmm. And who's on that board again? What were your qualifications to be on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. And I misspoke. I said board. He was vice chairman of that board. Vice chairman. Wow. I think that says a lot, don't you? All right. I'll be back with some important information about the fake news and January 6th. They're still lying about it. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! Any idea who this guy is? He was there on January 6th on Capitol Hill. The FBI doesn't seem to care. They care about everybody else, but not him so much. There he is looking in the other direction. And uh, later, when Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed, he's right there in the Capitol. Now, and just a few feet from her. Uh, the people who are investigating the death of Ashley Babbitt would love to know more about this individual. You know, there were a lot of suspicious um, activities just prior to Officer Byrd shooting Ashley Babbitt. And they want to talk to this guy. And uh, no one seems to be cooperating. So those who are investigating this case for the Babbitt family, they would like to know. Do you know who that guy is? Let's take a look at his picture one more time. They feel like he might be able to answer some questions related to the death of Ashley Babbitt. All right. Also, this. Um, Chicago. It's really happened. It's happened in Chicago, New York, everywhere, but nobody seems to respect law enforcement anymore. After a year of delegitimizing them, of stigmatizing them, guess what? Nobody pays much attention to cops anymore. Now, that woman was walking your dog. As you can see, the park is deserted. It's closed after dark. She's not supposed to be there. The cop asks, and she refuses. Take a look. Now, understand this. Respect my space. Respect your space? space. I'm about to put handcuffs on you. I have a mask on. I don't need a mask. I'm outside. Understand that. We're not inside a building. Know the ordinances. The exit is that way. You need to exit. Please back up. Ma'am. Back up, ma'am. Back up. Get out of the park. Back up. What 
do you not understand about that? All right. So, <laughs> by the way, she's not wearing a mask either. And uh, this is what happens when you spend a year, the fake news, the far left demonizing cops. They aren't listened to. No one respects them. And that's very, very hard when you're a police officer. He's been trying to enforce the ordinance, the policy. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nobody else at that park. At one point, she stops moving backwards. I mean, she's kind of leaving, but kind of not. Watch this. I'm about to put handcuffs on Back you up. if you don't keep walking. Back Do you want to test me on this? Back up. Let go of me! Let's go! Let go! So she's screaming her head off. Sounds like it's really, really bad. It's not. What happens a couple of moments later? He lets her go with a warning. Take a look at this. All right, so she's not hurt, um, not arrested. Cops have it so tough. Everyone thinks they can break out the camera and get a cop in trouble. He's enforcing the rules. Mayor Lightfoot, whose side do you think she took? I saw the video. Um, I was quite disturbed by what I saw. Um, it looked like the woman was following the direction of the officer and leaving uh, the, the beach. I'm hoping that um, Copa will use all deliberate speed to get to a resolution um, so that we know exactly what happened uh, with this woman who seemingly was just innocently walking her dog and leaving the park. She seems more concerned about that than the children getting killed in her city. All right, now this. Black Lives Matter, of course, but not the way the Black Lives Matter organization. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. It's not true. Black Lives Matter. All these children being killed, often by other people of color, black people, these lives matter. And no one's talking about it, but we are. And I'm sorry, but it's true, and somebody has to highlight this. The life of 15-year-old... Shamaya Davis mattered. She was shot and killed in Trenton on Saturday night. Three other people were shot, a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, and a 17-year-old who are currently in the hospital. The 19-year-old female remains in the hospital in his critical condition. Davis was pronounced dead at the hospital. The Trenton Police Department said multiple rounds were fired at about 6.45, which triggered a shot spotter alert. Have you heard about this? It's like a surveillance system for gunfire, and it actually works pretty well. No suspects have been arrested yet. The shooting remains under investigation by the Mercer County Homicide Task Force and the Trenton Police Department. City officials are urging local residents to come forward with any information that could help identify the shooters and bring justice to the family. Davis's death in Trenton is the 22nd homicide in 2021. That is Way, way, way too many for a city of that side. And she was just 15 years old. We will be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Oh, 
There are reports that FBI informants were among the protesters, that the FBI may have known what was happening every single step of the way, every single step of the way. And they may have heard of all kinds of activity beforehand as well. What did they do and why were they doing that? And what do they do with the information? And those who actually damage things and hurt people, were they talking to the FBI? A lot of fascinating questions, numerous reports now establishing that the FBI was in contact with some of the protesters. I'd like to bring in Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the Department of Defense, former deputy assistant to President Trump uh, for counterterrorism. And uh, Cash, first of all, welcome back. How are you? I'm good, Greg. Thanks uh, for having me back on. What is the significance of this? The FBI in contact with protesters, you know, you can take that and run with it. What was your reaction when you heard the news? Yeah, 30 seconds just at the table. So as a former federal prosecutor, national security prosecutor, and a target in the intelligence community at the Department of Justice, informants and assets are invaluable when used correctly to protect America and to prosecute lawful criminal cases. What this reminds me of is the scenario of Christopher Steele, the world's greatest informant shown to be the world's biggest crook. And that's because the FBI intentionally uncovered or covered up information regarding uh, innocence of individuals who were involved in that investigation. And this, the uh, elements that I've read about this are strikingly similar. And what I'm demanding as a former federal court officer is, did the FBI turn over information of innocence to defendants from January 6th? Did they turn over all the information that is due to them by the Constitution? Or did they wait? Did they hide it? Have people pled guilty before that information was turned over and challenged in court? These are all great questions that need to be answered, that the law requires to be answered if and when we were to find out informants were correctly used. But this sort of smells like the Christopher Seal situation redux to me. You know, it's funny. Here we are talking about January 6th. I thought after the debacle in Afghanistan, after we lost 13 of our troops, uh, after how botched everything was and we killed a family, American military killed a family that had nothing to do with suicide bombers, mm -hmm. that it would have put January 6th in its proper perspective and context. But it's almost like Afghanistan never happened and the committees on Capitol Hill, they're still salivating. They're, they still think that they can make political hay out of this. Yeah, that's what they're going to do. Uh, they, they target individuals. I have some experience with that, unfortunately. I'm going to continue to tell the American people the truth about not just January 6th, but all events that I was fortunate to lead um, when I served in government. And uh, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. All it is is a political football. What we should be focusing on is why were seven children killed in Afghanistan for a strike that Milley reported was righteous? He's testifying before Congress tomorrow. Are we going to find out about that? What about their disaster of a debacle that stranded American hostages, citizens in Afghanistan when they left the theater of war? Is he going to address that tomorrow? Or is he going to go down and thump his chest about white rage on January 6th and how he's the most political officer in country? Are they going to ask the January 6th commission? Are they going to ask the FBI and Christopher Wray, where were you on January 6th? Protecting the Capitol is a law enforcement function. If you had informants in uh, the crowd on January 6th, why didn't you have a thousand uniform agents surround the building to protect our Congress and to make sure our free and fair elections were, were, were prosecuted rightfully? Where was the FBI? Those questions need to be asked, but you know that all too well because you actually report the news, not just political, fancy, farcical nonsense. Well, General Milley was, I believe, invited to testify and he will uh, appear. 
Um, and we'll hear what he has to say. He's going to be protected, I think, by a lot of Democrats because they are infatuated with him now. He has earned <laughs> their respect all over again because of this Bob Woodward book. So he's like a hero uh, for those folks, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, so he's invited. Meanwhile, you're subpoenaed. You've been subpoenaed uh, before the January 6th committee, the latest version of it, along with Mark Meadows and some other great public servants. Um, number one, how do you feel about that? Uh, was this necessary? And uh, what, what are you prepared to say? And look, uh, as far as I'll, I'll say at this point, I issued a statement regarding the subpoena. Um, and the other thing I'll say is that I will always tell the American people the truth about my service, whether it's January 6th or otherwise. But as folks know, uh, the, the, the story tradition in Congress is to invite, like I did when I interviewed 60-some witnesses for the Russiagate investigation, we invited them in a bipartisan fashion to appear voluntarily. They skipped that process in this instance just because they wanted a political headline story and they wanted to talk about January 6th or actually reignite the January 6th furnace, which is what they're trying to do here. Got nothing to hide. We executed the mission on that day successfully. And the ones that need to answer questions about January 6th are the Millies, are the Chris Rays, are the intelligence officers who surrounded that day. And they haven't been called to testify on it. Everybody should go to a very interesting website, Cash Patel's website. It's fightwithcash.com. Uh, you're raising money to fund a legal team uh, because you guys are under assault. Uh, so is the conservative, especially from the far left media and big tech. Tell us a little bit of how, how this thing works and what's happening so far. Yeah, real quick. Um, appreciate you bringing that up. So, look. We, I've got uh, live defamation suits against Politico, the New York Times, and CNN for tens of millions of dollars for defamatory uh, offenses against me. And I found out that I wasn't the only one that that happened to. The media and big tech uh, crushed Trump supporters throughout his presidency. So I started raising money to help pay their legal fees and so that they could have their day in court. And it looks like also we're going to need some money to uh, to uh, help deal with the subpoena situation for the Jan 6 stuff. Because as you know, uh, when you go to Capitol Hill, you have to hire lawyers to come with you, not because you did anything wrong, but that's because what the Constitution says and due process requires. So appreciate any attention to fight with cash uh, com that you guys can give. And, uh, you know, we need your support. And so does the rest of America. One thing. Give us a big picture, um, what's going on here. Why did the swamp react the way they did to President Trump? And is it that? I believe it is, but it's interesting. You have actually had key jobs within that swamp infrastructure. We've mentioned this before, we talked about it, but you, you didn't succumb <laughs> to the swamp. Just break it down for us. Why is it that they gave this president, we've had Republican presidents before, but this president, they seem, I know they tried to sabotage his presidency, the swamp in particular, the deep state. Why do they do that? And do me a favor, just confirm that I'm right. And if I'm wrong, let me know. But I mean, what happened? Why? Greg, right. you're from Garden City. You can't be wrong. So look, what I think happened, and it's really simple. You're right. The mission mattered more to President Trump than anything else he did. And he put individuals in charge of executing that mission to, for the same purpose, execute this mission. And what the media lost its mind over was this president was successful in ending wars and protecting the border and finding a vaccine uh, for COVID in six months and distributing that vaccine, not only to the United States, but the world. Things that the left was traditionally always for, ending wars, President Trump did, and they excoriated him for him because he did it. 
he put the mission first, and I serve with so many brave men and women who did put the mission first. So I think you're right, and it's just that simple. His efficacy in protecting this nation and putting Americans first is what ticked off the left and continues to do so. Cash Patel, and yes, we're from the same hometown on Long Island. We uh, we missed each other by about a decade, but Garden City, Long Island, great community. And uh, Cash, can't wait to shake your hand in person someday. We've only met on television, but good stuff. We thank you. Fightwithcash.com, fightwithcash.com. Check it out, and we'll be right back. So... I think there's a huge gap between what the American people know about those Border Patrol agents and those horses and what political leaders are saying. We've seen the video. We've studied the pictures. No one's being abused. They're doing their job. But listen to what our political leaders continue, leaders, continue to say about these fine men and women of the Border Patrol. We know that those images painfully conjured up the worst elements of our nation's ongoing battle against systemic racism. There needs to be consequence and accountability. Uh, the, human beings should not be treated that way. And as we all know, it also evoked images of some of the worst moments of our history. To see people treated like they did, horses barely running over, people being strapped, it's outrageous. I promise you those people will pay. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment, but it's beyond an embarrassment. Um, talk about prejudging a situation. This is officially under investigation. I'd like to bring in Mark Morgan. He is the former acting commissioner of the Customs and Border Patrol. Welcome back, sir. Uh, strictly from a management standpoint, I thought you're not allowed to prejudge an investigation. I mean, your agents, you're the, the ones you worked with. They're employees. I don't think the boss is allowed to say what the boss just said. Greg, you're absolutely right. I mean, not only are they trampling on one of the most established founding principles of America, it's called a fair and impartial due process, but their own court, and I like quote leaders, have, have, have vilified them, have scapegoated them, have condemned them before due process has even begun. This is absolutely the abdication of every modicum of leadership that you could possibly have, Greg. It's outrageous. And look, do you really think now, after the secretary and the president of the United States has already condemned them and said this is horrific, you really think the process is going to be fair? Of course it's not. So the horses themselves and the officers, it's weird. This Secretary Mayorkas, who is a very odd character, he's always smiling at the wrong time. And, uh, but he did say over the weekend, in addition to condemning the patrol, uh, the actual Border Patrol agents involved, uh, that the horses have great value. Uh, go ahead and play that, please. The horse patrol serves an incredibly important function. Horses can tra uh, traverse terrain that might not otherwise be covered. In fact, horses are often used to not only assess a situation, but to actually help people in distress. CBP personnel have saved many lives on horseback. So he gets it enough to understand their value. And then you've looked at the images. I've looked at the images. Um, it's not what he says it is. This is not about systemic racism. This does not, I, I don't understand how he can have that technical um, understanding, yet still go with the woke nonsense about what those officers were doing. 
Craig, the only reason why he's coming even uh, with a little bit of, of what you just played is because he's getting, he himself is getting eviscerated by the unbelievable absurdity of which he's approaching this. That's the only reason why he's doing this. Because look, everything that comes out of this man's mouth is an absolute lie. And, and again, what he fails to mention is, guess what they're also useful for? enforcing security along our border, including arresting people who are violating our laws and illegal entering. That picture right there, you know what I see? I see a border soldier on a horse trying to apprehend a migrant that's illegally entering the United States and not by obeying his commands. That's what I saw. There's not one scintilla of evidence that has anything connected with race. It's 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 absolutely reckless. It's irresponsible. But that's what this administration is. And the wolf cancel, Greg. You know, uh, the American people get it, though. They do. I, they I just do. put out a, uh, a pic. I put out a picture supporting these guys. It went mega viral, and uh, because that's how I feel, and that's how the American people feel. Uh, Mark Morgan, thank you very much, former acting commissioner of Customs and Border Patrol. To be continued, sir, we'll be right back. Folks, thank you. Stand by for grandstanding.